Apple presents events at the Apple Store. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Drew Taylor. I'm a contributing editor for Movie Phone, and uh, we are here with Olivia Munn tonight. But before we introduce her, we are going to run the trailer for Mordecai. Three months ago, a Spanish museum sent a Goya painting to be cleaned. The painting has disappeared. This is a very bad man who wanted to fund violent worldwide revolution. Countless lives are at stake. And you would like me to find it? Precisely. What is in it for me, as they say? Do it for queen and country. No. All right, queen and country, travel and living expenses, reasonable overhead. Done. I am Lord Charlie Mordecai. Respected by all who know me slightly. Excellent shot, sir! Man down! I am an art dealer and aficionado. <laughs> My wife, Joanna. My only true love. I thought I'd see how you secret agent men run the world. I'm afraid I shall have to put my foot down, darling. Sorry. With your permission, of course. Jock is my manservant and handles all of our most pressing affairs. Well done, Jock. I am also on the verge of bankruptcy, and therefore we need a fiendishly clever plan to secure our reward. We grab the painting when no one's looking. Ingenious. Go to America and do what it takes to bring the painting back. I feel as though we've made a wrong turn and arrived on the set of a pornographic film. It's not unused, you want to be loved by an I'm Georgina Crown. She's a well-known nymphomaniac. Ah. Who knows? This may be a customary greeting in America. I don't know. No matter what you say. Truth? It's not unusual to find out I'm in love with you. Oh, 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 oh. I don't like it. Is this where the body was found? What are you doing? Oh, no, to the left a bit. Yeah. Sorry, I'm into the right. This? Oh, Charlie. All right, let's uh, welcome out uh, Olivia Munn. Hi. Now, uh, as a young girl, did you think to yourself, one day I'm going to be in movies? Uh, no, I never, never thought about that. No, uh, being an actress was um, a very a wild dream. You know, I'm first generation American, so it was not. Um, when I said I wanted to be an actress, my mom shut it down very quickly. That I was like, all right, I just, I guess I'm not going to do that. I guess I'll go be, you know, an engineer or something that Asians do. <laughs> But you had sort of had these two lives of being a journalist and, mm -hmm. and being a, an actress, and now you're sort of full-time actressing, right? right? Uh, I, went in, I studied journalism because I loved storytelling and journalism, but um, my mother wouldn't let me major in theater because she's like, you can't make money in theater. And so I could point to the news or to a newspaper and tell her, like, that's, you know, this is journalism, and I, I knew I loved you know, the art of storytelling, and that's what journalism is, so I... Uh, uh, she let me do that. But it actually came in handy because then I went on to The Daily Show where I pretended to play a fake reporter and then I went to the 
newsroom where I pretended to play a real reporter. So somehow I used my degree. Now, uh, how did you initially get involved in, in Mordecai? Uh, m- my agents called me and said that the director, David Kep wanted me to put myself on tape. I was in Prague at the time, so I couldn't come in for an audition. So I put myself on tape. And then that uh, got me to the next round where I Skype called with him. And then I got the offer. Now, your character is sort of a femme fatale. Did you sort of, <laughs> did you like these movies? Did you sort of look to older femme fatales from the Bond movies or anything like that in terms of crafting your character? I, I knew my character had to be a, a badass and, to ha- and that she had to uh, really uh, be stealth-like and, uh, and be a real competitor for everybody else chasing for this painting. But I never thought of her as a femme fatale until I read the breakdown of the press notes. <laughs> they're like, Georgina, femme fatale. Yeah, I was like, they're, oh. they're, very, they're pushing the femme fatale. And I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna, I guess I'm going to say that now. That wasn't what I was describing her as, but, um, but it's good to know. I don't think that you can ever go in and go, like, I'm going to be a badass. Right. So if I ever went in saying, like, I'm going to be a femme fatale, I think I would fail. Do you have any like favorite sort of either bad Bond girls or, or femme fatales that, because the movie sort of plays up on uh, right. like James Bond movies and things like that. No, I don't. I'm sorry. Uh, that was a good question. Um, I just don't have an answer for you. Someone else is going to ask it before the movie comes out. So. Oh, really? Yeah, okay, give so. me an answer. Give me something. Uh, I'll just say it. I'll pretend like it's mine. Fomka Jansen, Goldeneye. All right, great. Okay, Fomka Jansen. Ask me again. Ask me again. So you, did you look to any like James Fomka Bond? Fomka Jansen. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Goldeneye. <laughs> it seems amazing. Her ability to transform <laughs> and to really become a femme fatale was I love it. inspiring. I actually called her a Bond girl one time and she yelled at me. So, really? Yeah. She was like, we're more than that. And no, I was you're like, like, no, you're not. You're not, no. Um, no, she is. She's also an X-Men. Yes. Uh, why, that's, did she really yell at you or yeah, she, she more did. joking? She was, no, no, she was very sort of pointed. It was, it was bizarre. You can, people call me like the girl from G4 and I'm like, yeah, that was me. Own it, own it. Yeah. Um, so you get to have some great scenes with Jeff Goldblum and Johnny Depp. Uh, yes. What was it like working with those two guys? Were they complete weirdos? <laughs> That's what, that, people ask me that question yeah. a lot. And I, um, I don't know if, they, I, would like, I would love people to ask them like, hey, you're weirdos. <laughs> um, but because they're not weird. Right. I think that it's because they're both so famous. Like they've been famous for so long that I think people are weird to them when they meet them. So... You know, when, when, you're, when someone's weird to you when you're talking, when they come up to you, you're going to just act weird back. Right. So that's maybe where they get it from. Um, and they are eccentric. But Jeff Goldblum is awesome. I mean, he, I mean, I love Johnny, but Jeff Goldblum, he walked in and he's Jeff Goldblum. Like, Johnny always plays such extreme characters. When you meet him, he's so normal and just easygoing and down to earth. Jeff Goldblum comes in, he's like, hey, everybody, touch my skin. It's like olives. I'm like, what? What is an olive... And you're, it's, I mean, the color? No, no, it feels like an olive. All right. Okay, Jeff Goldblum. Did you touch it? Yeah. It's <laughs> Jeff Goldblum, and it feels like an olive. Uh, yeah. Jeff Goldblum, I always feel like Jeff Goldblum is... He's not Jeff. I even think that his wife calls him Jeff Goldblum. Right. He's just... He's so fully Jeff Goldblum. 24-7. Jeff 24-7. Goldblum. He's Jeff Goldblum. So Depp wasn't, like, in character or prancing around or anything? No. Okay. No, he wasn't. No, but when we're doing the scenes, of course, we're all having, you know, we're in character, and it makes it more fun because, you know, we get to just play around and, and really delve into it, but no, not afterwards. Is that what he's known for? Does he, does he go? I just assume that he's, like, Captain Jack all the time or like something. Like, all but, Daniel yeah. Day-Lewis all, all the yeah. time? No. Uh, he's not. <laughs> you know, I had a, a friend of mine... Uh, her friend 
was the assistant for Dana Day-Lewis for a while, and she said that when she worked with him on Lincoln, and she had to get him a Starbucks every day, and I was like, I don't know if Lincoln actually had Starbucks. It's like when you hear stories that he was, like, Skyping with... Uh, <laughs> yeah, is that what he did? Yeah. It's like, no, Abraham no, Lincoln didn't Skype. No, either do it or don't. Yeah, he would Skype with Sally Field, as, right. and she would be in character, too. Yeah, so I take that small little thing, the one little thing that I think Daniel Day-Lewis has ever done wrong, and I'm like, no. Oh, throw it in his face. Yeah, yeah. that one thing. I'll look for it and I'll find it and I'll hold it dear to my heart. Well, it must have been fun, especially coming off the newsroom, to, to do something that's so crazy. I mean, you know, realism is not really you know, yes, paramount a, in this movie. No, yeah. it's a heightened reality yes. and we all have to be extreme characters, but, you know, we all have to believe it. So it's very important to, to have that, the realism within our hearts, but it's very extreme. But it was fun. It was, uh, I mean, this character um, is very different than me. And, um, and like to come to have this, there, this character has no shame. Like she goes through, like she has, and I was like, how do you create a character that's so overly sexual and just, uh, it just doesn't, like she's, you know, openly hitting on a married man and doesn't care and wants everything and just doesn't really hold anything back. And I was like, well, her father is a billionaire and, and it, Jeff Goldblum, Jeff Goldblum is yeah. my father in it. And that's what usually happens to people is like when they have so much money and they no longer have to be accountable for anything, and they're assholes. Because <laughs> you're like, I got money, I can do whatever I want. And that was kind of like, she had no shame, and she's like, I'm gonna do whatever I want. And that was fun because it gave me that, that permission. And what was it like working with Kep? Because uh, I don't know if you guys know him, but he wrote Jurassic Park and right. uh, Spider-Man and all these huge right. movies. He's um, awesome. Yeah. Uh, he, he's a really great director because he lets you play and you get to bring a lot to your character, but he's very, um, usually have storyboards for every movie and they break it down to like each scene you can see it but I've never seen anything so detailed I mean it, like if you took all the cards together and flipped them it would look like a flip book because he was so detailed and but within so everything everything that you did every day was just you were I mean it's very unusual in a big movie like this an action movie that we were in like at nine and out by five because he was just he just have, had everything working like clockwork and Goldblum's skin just Golden Radiating. skin. It is like an olive. Did you read the books that this movie is based on, or, or no? No, okay. I didn't. No. Did you? No. You did no uh, preparation no, I, for this interview. No, I did no. What's wrong? I'm gonna find the one thing you did wrong. There, one of us on this stage has seen the movie, and one of us hasn't. Yes, so. I have a hard time watching myself in in movies. I know what I know. I did the movie. Yeah. I feel like you know that's like I'll, I know the movie, so that's a good thing. Yeah. Um. But uh. But I I have a harder time watching myself. Um, just because you know it's hard when you watch yourself, you just get very critical. Right. Yeah. As we're gonna watch this podcast when it goes up on. on I won't YouTube. watch no, it. I won't either. Nope. Um, no. I'll wait for someone to just send me screen grabs, <laughs> and I'll Instagram those and pretend like I've watched it. Please, tag me, please. No. <laughs> ah, damn it. Um, well, I was gonna ask you if you sort of shot anything that you know didn't make the movie, but if you haven't seen the movie. I. I. Well, no. Uh, but I do know because they told me there was a scene. So my character has this um, fetish with uh, mustaches. Yeah. And so um, they had this random scene, which I just thought, I mean, it, it doesn't fit with the movie, but it never fit with the movie. It was just supposed to be the scene. And it just randomly cuts to her in, in, a, in a horse stable, and it's just me and a horse, and I'm just petting his mane. And I'm like, don't be mad at me, come on. And it's just like, then you re reveal that it's me and a horse. And then David was like, just improv, like just like, come up with different lines. And one of my favorite ones, which immediately I knew they were never going to keep, but um, I whispered to the horse and I said, I have to tell you a secret. 
I'm late. And I got a little chuckle just like that. And then mostly I looked up and people were like, and then that's when I felt like a winner. That's when you knew the scene would not like, be in the that's... movie. <laughs> and I was like, you'll be stupid not to put this in the movie. They didn't. Well, a lot of the movie is about mustaches and either... Yes. Because Gwyneth Paltrow doesn't like the mustache. You do. Yes. Where, where, what is your personal stance on mustaches? Um, my personal... I, I, prefer, like, I, I prefer a beard. I think beards are cool. Um, I think a mustache, it's a, lot, it's a lot of party on your face. You know, it's a lot of, like, things going on. Um, I, prefer, I prefer a beard or, like, you know, scruff. Okay. Yeah, yeah, double six right there. He's got the beard. What up? <laughs> um, his, his government name isn't double six, though. <laughs> Don't confuse that. His mother did not name him that. Uh, should there be further Mordecai adventures? Would you be down for returning to this world? I'm down for any and all work. If anybody would like to offer me work, sure, yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, you were in Magic Mike, which was so yes. great, and you were so amazing in it. Um, Thank you. What was it like working with Soderbergh, and are you back for Magic Mike XL? <laughs> um, yeah, Soderbergh's not doing the second one, which I wish he was, because he's, he's shooting, so He's shooting yeah. and editing it. Yes. He's, um, he's everything He's part but, of it, yes. yes. <laughs> um, and he's an, it's so fun, because he's really collaborative. You know, when you get to work with, there's a certain... Certain people who are really geniuses at what they do, like Sorkin, um, John Stewart, uh, Soderbergh, they they're really fun and collaborative, and um, and it was really fun on set. So my character in the beginning on on the page, she was she didn't really um, she was just the girl that he was hooking up with, and at the you know at the end she's like I've got a boyfriend, fuck off, and then I was like that's kind of that's it, that's like, and I said well I only wanted to do it if I could like if I could make her like a guy so I based her off an ex-boyfriend somebody that you know like a lot of times in life like when you're a girl you're dating a guy and then you've been hanging out for a couple months and you know you're going to breakfast together all the time you're going you know, shopping and everything's cool and you've never really had the conversation then one day you're like oh so my girlfriend's having a birthday party and he's like whoa <laughs> I think that's a little little early and you have to be cool about it because like, oh yeah yeah totally whatever um, and guys for some reason have you know get away with that and I just and I feel like there's a lot of girlfriends in my life who are like that, but they're not always depicted like that. So I, I, I created her, um, and with the idea of like what a man would be like uh, and what they're depicted like. But really, how a lot of my girlfriends are. So we're hanging out. We're, you know, my character and Channing's character are having sex and fooling around, and he starts to fall, and she's like, oh, yeah, no. So, so you will not and be not apologize <laughs> for it either. And you won't be back for the sequel. You know, I think the sequel is a prequel. Is it really? Yes. Wow. From what I understand. News. I think. From what they've last told me. Um, And you just finished the newsroom. What was that? Like, looking back on that whole experience, what was that sort of like? Being on the newsroom uh, changed my whole career. Like, uh, and, you know, you you hope for that opportunity, but you just don't know. I mean, it just really gave me uh, the opportunity to, to show people what I was capable of. And, I mean, I'm forever grateful for that opportunity. So how hard is it to read I mean, is it as legendarily hard as people make it out to be? It, it is difficult. Um, but for me, I found that when I, if you read every episode, there's a theme to every episode. And what you're saying is, um, and, you know, is basically just mimicking this theme. Um, for me, I had a lot of financial jargon and a lot of stuff to, to memorize. And the only way to say it the only way to memorize it was to really know it. And the only way to deliver it the right way is to, to really know it. So um, 
sometimes it was hard when you're just like rattling off stuff, but um, I just did a, a replacement of it. Um, for example, there was one, one episode where on the surface it would look like, you know, my character was trying to teach Emily Mortimer's character the, the economy, the history of, of money. And every time I say something, she comes back and says, you know, why does he hate me? You know, she, even though she, you know, it was her character with Jeff Daniels, like that, you know, she cheated on him, but she's sorry, and it's and it, it's just gotten so bad. And and so whenever I'm telling her something about history, she comes back with, with that. Now on the surface, it would look like she's you know not really focused, or if you're just reading it, like oh, she's just so wrapped up in the relationship, and then I'm just trying to t- teach the economy. But really, we're both saying the same thing because there's a so the point when I'm trying to learn this, and there's a line is like, you see this twenty dollar bill? It's not worth anything unless we all believe that it does. It's just a piece of paper. And once we break that trust, it all falls apart. You know, we got the debt ceiling, European debt crisis, all that stuff. I'm mimicking the same thing. I, so to memorize that, I said, you know, I'm looking at her and I'm explaining this. So when she says, why is he so mad? I'm like, well, relationships, all of this doesn't mean anything unless we all believe that it does. Once you break that trust, i.e. cheat on him, it all falls apart. That's why he's mad at you. Debt crisis, blah, blah, blah. So that's, that was the easiest way for me to memorize was just to do... Find the, the theme and then a replacement. Do you feel like you now know a lot more about sort of international affairs uh-huh. than the... Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I know only the stories that I did and know nothing else. Now, you, you started on G4 and mm-hmm. you sort of had this reputation as being this... Let's, you were like the hot geek, right? You like dressed up as Princess Leia at Comic-Con and things like that. And you were in Iron Man 2, very well, if, briefly. Yeah, if you, if you reached down for your popcorn, you missed me. Right. Like... <laughs> Oh, that was it. But I mean, but it's it's sort of weird that you haven't. I mean, do you want to do sort of these big sort of geeky things? Because it seems like you had a real passion for this mm-hmm. kind of material. Well, yeah, you know, when you, um, it's very difficult. Like, uh, it's sometimes when people will say things like that to me, like, "Oh, don't you want to do a Marvel movie?" Like, who doesn't? Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't just because you want to, just because you have a great fan base, doesn't mean that um, that opportunity has been presented to me or that I've um, had enough work behind me or uh, cultivated what I have to cultivate to get that kind of opportunity. You know, those kind of things are, are hard to get right. and are tough and uh, and it's just not my time yet and um, or it may never be my time. But of course, like the, you always want to do great projects. You know, you get offered the, the, the crappier things, <laughs> you know, you don't, you know, when Marvel comes around, everybody wants to do that. Right. But um, nobody talks about like that really bad, you know, really horrible, like, stupid superhero movie. They're like, okay, she wears a bathing suit the whole time. And her real superpower comes when she takes it off. You want to do it? I'm like, no. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Drew would love to do this. Yes. What, what, it, what would be your, like, ultimate... Do you have a character or a franchise or something that you would, like, be all about? Uh, no. Okay. No. I don't really Star think... War- not Star Wars more than Marvel or anything? No, I okay. think, um, again, it's, uh, like, I guess I don't think of those things because you really have to kind of go with what the world is and the industry is giving you. You know, you really, like, when some people are like, I have this goal, I'm going to do this, and this I'm going to make my career, it's like, I didn't know that I'd be where I where I am today. Like, you know, I'm, I'm really excited about, I have a production company deal with CBS Studios to create television shows. And I didn't think that that's what, where I was going towards. And I'm so excited about that more than anything else. And, uh, and sometimes when you look at, you know, you have to, that, that's an opportunity that came my way. Um, and, you know, even if somebody said they wanted Star Wars, it's, 
it's really, you know, you, I, want a lo- I, would, I want all of you guys to write me a check for $1,000, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. <laughs> there are a lot of things that I want, but, um, but the realistic thing for me, I think, is just to focus and be prepared when the opportunities come and, and not put that out there that I want these really big, hard-to-achieve goals. Well, one really cool thing that you have coming up that I'm pretty excited for is this animated show on, on yeah. Disney, The Miles from Tomorrowland. Are you excited about I it? I am, That's because exciting. I love everything Tomorrowland associated. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, well, these guys, this is great. It's like on Disney Junior, and it's like basically the new version of the Jetsons, I think. In my, and it's great because they've combining... We have, we have astronauts and people from SpaceX that we talk to and get advice from, and, and it really helps to, I think, at the end of the day get kids' minds opened up to the possibilities are endless. And it really inspires, I think, young girls, too, to become more interested in science and math because I think studies have shown that they're not as interested in it. And, I, and I, you know, I'm the mother, but I also get to play the captain, and that's pretty cool. And will you watch that? Because you don't have to actually watch yourself. You no, just have yeah, to listen to yourself. That is different. But, yeah. I will, I will yeah. watch that, yeah, yeah because cause it won't look like me. And is there any connection to the George Clooney movie or just the Tomorrowland title? Um, no, there's okay. no connection. <laughs> I was like, wait, like, no. Did you get to go to Tomorrowland? Uh, n- no, because it's animation. Doesn't, I, it doesn't I mean, exist, it's, true. Uh, it's wait, not what? real. Oh, <laughs> sweetheart, it's not real. Oh, all right, get him some water here. Have some water. You're, you're not really, you're not doing so well. You feeling okay? Oh, yeah, so Got good. That. Thank you. Your nice apple mug. Um, is it a nice apple mug? Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. It's like we're on morning talk show. So... <laughs> Tell me about your day. You were on the Chew this morning, right? I was on the Chew. How was that? It was fun. It's like um, when you watch those cooking shows, like no matter what you do, I literally p- picked up some salt and I put it in the sink and the whole audience goes, oh. <laughs> it's like, really? I put some cinnamon in, like, oh. It's like, you guys, it's just cinnamon. You can do this at home. They can't. Um. <laughs> And are you done with Ride Along too, or is that? Yeah, okay. that was so much fun. What was it like working with Kevin Hart? Because he is the I funniest man. I love Kevin Hart. I love, love, love him. Uh, I wasn't sure if I wanted to do that 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 movie because. Because um, you saw the first movie. <laughs> uh, well, because um, I didn't actually see the first one. Um, because I was like, well, I don't know. I really there were some other things that I was looking at doing, and I was like, I don't know. I want to, you know, it's really their movie. Yeah. But then um, Kevin and I, we met um, randomly backstage somewhere, and I just fell in love with him immediately. And we had such a great banter. And then the director was so cool, because he's like, you, you know, you don't have to be the love interest or wear. I'm like, I, if I'm going to be a cop, I want to just wear, like, jeans and a T-shirt. Like, the guys get to wear jeans and a T-shirt. Like, that's what I want to wear. I'm not going to be, like, in, you know, like, in, like, a low-cut blouse and a blazer. So you're, like, the sort of third point in their triangle? Or is it mostly still just those two just no, it's, around? It's, um, it's the two of those guys, and then they end up in Miami, which would be my territory, and then, um, and then they need, we, we kind of all need each other to k- solve a crime. I mean, haven't you seen these shows before? <laughs> it's kind of all the same. <laughs> just this one has Kevin Hart, yeah, so it's really funny. funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, it's like something happens, and then we're not sure, is it a you know, drug crime? Is it a gun crime? And then people get involved. Cops get involved. Comedy happens. The end. And you still haven't seen the first one. Because okay, no, well. I know how it ends. <laughs> a lot of laughter. Yeah. That's what, and that's what you end, take away. And a lot of Kevin Hart, who I love. Do you get some good singers in there? Or is it just... Um, I don't know. Are I, you the heavy? 
Um, I don't know. I think I'm more the straight, okay. straight guy in that. Um, but Kevin made me laugh all of the time. He is one of the funniest people and one of the best human beings ever. And that's out this year at some point? I, don't I feel know. like you guys shot that in like two weeks. Um, well, you weren't there. I wasn't there. So you're following along <laughs> no one, with people's no random Instagrams. <laughs> uh, it was longer. Uh, it was like two, two and a half months. Yeah. Yeah. Where did it's you done. get your research? Well, no, it just seemed like it came out very quickly. They were well, like, it's not well, out. We go. Well, I know, but it's done filming. The original was out a yeah, year, this time we... last year. I saw it on a plane. Yeah, what does the first one have to do with the second one? Well, just and how long we shot cool. it? Do you want some more water? Yes, I'm going to take some more water. Do you want them to give you some of their cash? Would that make you feel better? You guys, give them a dollar. Come on, guys. You can leave it, can leave it on the like, stage. It's like church. Somebody take out a hat, pass it around. Um, with that, I think we're going to go to some audience questions. Hi, nice to see you. Um, I remember you in an interview saying that there was a time that you're just trying to book Ross commercials. And mm-hmm. what would you say was just like the turning tide? What, was, what were like the events and what contributed to what you're doing now? Well, Attack of the Show and being on G4 is definitely a, the... Um, is I give credit to everything I have today because of that. I mean, the fan base, the OMFG, every, everybody at G4, and the fact that they allowed me to do skits and stuff so I could like put out my comedy and, um, and be different characters, that gave me the platform for Jon Stewart to see me. Um, I didn't audition for The Daily Show. I didn't even... It wasn't in my head that anybody would ever allow me to be on that. And it, I was lucky that they were looking for a new female correspondent. He saw that because of my work on the... Uh, on, because my work on the attack of the show, uh, it gave me the opportunity to do the Daily Show, and then that was my my big my big break for sure. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm your you? big fan. Oh, thank and you. You're so gorgeous and you're so sexy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you yeah. talking to her, man? Yeah, yeah. Oh, you thanks. look so smart. Uh-huh. I'm afraid to talk to you because you look so you know. What's your favorite Japanese food? Then do you have mm. a good memory about Tokyo, Japan? Uh. I do remember Japan because um, I was there, you know, like until I was 16. Long, uh, I was from eight years old to 16 years old. And I lived on an airbase, uh, Yokota Airbase, you know? Uh, do you know the Yokota Airbase? Yes. And, uh, and I think um, my, favorite, my favorite is yakisoba. Yeah, yeah. Hey, arigato. Hi. Hi, Olivia. My name is Evan. I'm a big fan of Marvel, and Robert Downey Jr. and Johnny Depp are, are my two favorite actors of all time, just oh. so you know. Wow. FI. But yeah, so that's that's so why. cool. They're both awesome guys. Oh, really? I mm-hmm. mean, I mean, how do you compare them both? How do I what? How would you compare both of them? Uh, Johnny is is. Uh, when Robert walks in, he's he like he is he commands the entire room. I mean, he's already it's like, you know, when you're a comedian like that, it's he walks in the room and everyone's laughing and he's making jokes right away and and it's a really big thing. Uh, Johnny is more um, he's a little bit more quiet. He's so sweet when he walks on set. I mean, they're both really nice and and good to everyone, but um, Robert's probably just a bigger personality and and Johnny is just a little bit more chill. Hi, how's it going? Um, so what made you decide to do um, Newsroom of all the great I mean, stories out there? But like, I mean, I love you on the show, but I was wondering, like, what made you decide to do it of everything out there? Well, at the time, you know, I had um, a, uh, an NBC show um, that 
um, was ending. Um, some people say it was canceled. I just like to say that it turned into a miniseries. Feels better. Uh, so then, um, so then I was. Some other offers were coming through, and and then I read the newsroom. Um, and I just, um, as soon as I read, it, I just knew that that was the one. And my representatives were all pushing me to, to take the other offers that I were getting, you know, because they're, sh you know, some of them are shows that are on the air and doing uh, doing great right now. Um, it's network, so you do more episodes, which means more money. And um, also, Sorkin just came off winning the Academy Award for the Social Network, so there's only three roles in the newsroom for women, and it would be very difficult. And on top of that. You know, the casting at the time was saying we're only looking at Broadway actors, um, and the girl from The Daily Show isn't exactly you know Broadway pedigree. So um, I struggled with it because I just I, I just knew if I could get an opportunity, I didn't know at the time because the role was small. I had no idea that it would become what it became, and that I would be given the opportunities that I was given. It was just simply if I can get this shot to be with. Aaron Sorkin and on his show and to work with him, then it could possibly change my career. Uh, so I turned down the, the offers that were coming through. And the more I turned it down, I was turning it down just for the hope of the audition, not even having the audition. And uh, it was like four weeks, and it was five different shows and that I was turning down. And I got more anxiety. And I was like, uh, and I have trichotillomania, which means I like rip out my lashes from anxiety. So I was like, ah! <laughs> just like week after week. I was like, this is so, because the more I was turning it down, the more I was like turning down money. And also it was meant that the more time I haven't even secured an audition. So I was like, what am I doing? And then I went to Jon Stewart when I got my, I remember the fifth offer on this other show. And I went to Jon Stewart because I was on the Daily Show at the time. And, and I was like, I don't know what to do. Like they don't have the audition set up and this isn't yet another show that's coming and going. Am I just being stupid? And he asked me two very simple questions. And after that, I, I, I knew my answer, and he said, if you take one of these shows and you don't wait for Sorkin, will you regret it? And I said, yes. And he said, okay. If you don't take one of these shows and you don't end up getting Sorkin, will you regret it? And I said, no. He said, well, that's your answer. He said, when you bet on yourself and you win, you win big. And you know, I bet on myself, and I, I rolled the dice, and I just knew that it was something special. And that's why. You have to hold out for things special if you just... You know, I, I got in my car and I, you know, my broke down Land Rover Discovery that broke down every hundred miles from Oklahoma to California. And I, I came for just a hope of something better and of just a dream. And it changes, your dreams change and grow. And, and I was in this situation, I was like, yeah, all these shows would be better from where I, where I started, but this is something, this is, this is the dream to be able to go after things like that. And, you know, give yourself a heart attack in the process. I mean, the day I found out, I literally, I went back to The Daily Show, I told John, and he was like, yes, and I said, great, and I sat down, and I had the most insane migraine that just immediately came over my head because I'd been holding on to so much stress for over a month. Did the experience sort of fulfill all of that stuff that you sort of wanted it to? Yeah, more than I ever thought. I had no idea that it, he would be, he would give me the opportunities that he gave me, and, and the, and that the people, you never know when you do a character if people will respond to it. I made a decision to make my character uh, unapologetic. Um, I think a lot of times women are apologizing for being feminine um, and being strong. And I, and I was like, oh, people may not like this, but you know, I'm one of the characters in this. Maybe they won't, you know, maybe it'll kind of blend in. But thankfully, um, it was a nice response.
Hi, Hi, how are you? Hey, good. How are you? Um, completely different topic, but um, I'm just wondering if um, you were a very big football fan prior to this year, <laughs> and if you had any thoughts on the game this weekend. Uh, I, I You're dating a football player, right? Um, I read this online during my <laughs> vast research. <laughs> You're, I you're read like, this on Wikipedia. yeah. You just did a yeah. s- search on Twitter and looked at the first ten tweets. It's like she didn't tag me <laughs> for tonight, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I've, you know, I liked football. Like, you know, I think like a re- like like regular person likes football. I wasn't, you know, I don't play fantasy football and things like that. Um, but uh, um, but and and the the biggest thing is that you know I'm when I but realizing it and seeing it firsthand like how amazing that team is and how hard it is to to do what they do um i'm in awe of of my boyfriend and of that team what team is it um the green bay packers i don't know <laughs> great research uh, uh, yeah. this guy listen i'm a film Give journalist some more okay. water Hello. Um, thanks for coming out today. Yeah. You mentioned you had a, a recent deal with CBS, um, a production deal with mm-hmm. them. I wonder if you could speak more about that, how you got the deal, and what type of project you'd like to see yourself doing in the future, if not acting, more producing? Or mm-hmm. uh, Well, I, uh, I'd been... Um, I don't know what, um, what, what was going on in the world or whatever at the time, but I'd you know, I'd been... I just, at the same time, was talking to my literary agent at CIA about some... TV show ideas that I wanted to just create. I didn't, wasn't for me to do. I just wanted to had ideas, and I thought um, I'd want to do them. And at the same time, he was being approached by different networks and studios to give me um, a production company deal, and um, and that can happen for actors um, time to time. Um, a lot of times, it's a, a production company deal for you to create your own show for you to star in. Um, but I wasn't interested in that because uh, I just wanted to be able to go just to create. And thankfully, um, that's what this opportunity was. And uh, just for me to produce and create television shows, um, and uh, as many as I can. You know, I have, I, they've given me that opportunity. So the deal um, they gave me was to, uh, it was an, enough to hire, uh, you know, executives and a staff and so that I can really focus and move forward on trying to create content. Um, and right now I'm getting my, you know, the team together and then once we all get together, we'll decide the direction that we want to go. But, you know, I do have ideas, but I think it's important once you get the team together to, to vet it out and go forward. Thanks. Hi, back, back to the newsroom. How far in advance did you get the scripts? And what was your reaction when you found out you were going to kill Charlie? Uh, well, did I kill him? Um, I... We got the scripts... Um, like Aaron Sorkin writes every single episode, and there are times when we would just be waiting around, like he, like for two weeks, you know. And that's how much you know thought and care he puts into them. And then there'll be times where we, like um, in season one, I had an episode where my character goes into Japanese, going back and forth. You know, it's hard enough to do Sorkin dialogue now. Like now, do it in Japanese. I got that the night before, um, and it was intense. And uh, and that's more rare, but that happens. Like and um, and so that you'd go from periods of being like, you know, waiting around to like getting massive dialogue like the night before. Um, and when I when I was reading that script in bed where Charlie has a heart attack, and then Emily Mortimer said, you know, he died, and 
and I, I threw my script down and, and screamed. I just couldn't believe that he went there, and I was so, it, I, was, I didn't know what to think. I mean, it was just an exciting thing to read just that somebody would kill off a main character and, and do it in that way. And, um, and then I, we went to the next day to talk to Sam, because Sam didn't know until he read it, and he was just beaming. He was like, yeah, I die. In a way that like every actor is like excited to do something really like dramatic. Like, you're like, oh, I have a crying scene. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, I'm going to die. It's like you get really excited. Hey, Olivia. Um, so my daughter, who's also Olivia, is a big Aww. fan of yours. And one of the things that she really admires is uh, the fact that you're an animal lover. Aww, so thanks. this is her rendition of Chance, which is oh my your gosh, new that's family so sweet. member. That looks nothing like him. Uh, I'm not going to tell her that. Okay, but, well, uh, maybe you should. You should okay. Oh, yeah. you know, All right. I'm just kidding. No, very thank you. That's so sweet. You, so, yes. Uh, well, okay. I am Asian. Uh, um, so no, that's very sweet. Thank the, you. The question um, that we had was, how did you get interested in animal activism, and um, you know, what what kind of prompted you to to get involved in in animal health and animal care? Well, I think I've always loved animals, and then when you start to get exposed to what happens to so many animals, um, when you actually see see the videos and hear about it, and, and all the animals in the circus, you know, like that's what really stood out to me. You know, finding out that the animals in the circus are, you know, electrocuted and and chained up and forced to perform all these stunts, and you know, in front of the crowd, everyone's like smiling and laughing, and and it looks great, but then behind that curtain, it's just torture. And you know, I um, I grew up in a pretty tumultuous family, so there was a, a lot of um, it was it was a pretty intense upbringing, and and I I quickly connected with that feeling of like from the front everything looks great but from the back you know once you go behind that door it's a different world and um and as a kid I always thought that was very unfair that you that people never saw that you have to pretend that things are okay and then when I heard that with the circus and with the elephants it was um it was just a very easy connection and I felt that you know you have to speak up for animals who can't speak up for themselves and then you know, there was the um, the the dogathon on Fox. Um, it aired on uh, on Thanksgiving Day after the, the the football game. Why are you nodding? Did you watch it? Oh, did you really? Yeah. Well, the one thing you watched. Yeah, the one thing. I watched. No. Um, it was great. And, um, and my publicist Marcel, he is a huge animal lover, and he helped put that together and produce it. And and I was presenting at it. And I I love animals. That's why I thought I shouldn't be getting a dog because I travel too much. It's too intense. And then Max Greenfield, he's from the, the New Girl. He's a friend of mine, and he came up to me. He's like, Olivia, do you want a dog? And I was like, no, I'm not looking. He's like, you have to have this dog. He's like, it is the sweetest, chillest dog ever. And I saw it, and I called Marcel immediately. I was like, please get me this dog. And I called my boyfriend. I was like, so I adopted a dog. He was really quiet, and he just goes, I don't know if you're joking. I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> he's coming home. And he's been the best thing. I mean, he's, he's um, almost five months. But when we got him, he was three months, a little over three months, and he, um, we house trained him in a day and a half. And uh, now he knows how to sit, lie, shake, and, um, and he's going to learn the violin soon. I'm really excited. No, but he we're has a brief role in yeah. Ride Along, too. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be in Ride Along, too, which we shot in two and a half weeks. Hi. You were Hi. brilliant, the network. I'm curious, because of all the dialogue, was every word literally verbatim from, the, from what was written on the page? Yes. Or could you sort of... 
No, you cannot. No. Every word, it's verbatim to the script, to the dialogue. But, um, but it's important. When you see how Aaron writes, he, he writes for each character, and you actually get to learn a lot about each character by the way the dialogue is, is written. Um, and they're, you know, the best... Improv is great, and I love improv. It's, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fun art to do, but um, it's really amazing to read a script and not have to improv. Like, everything is right there. And, and it's fun to do that. Um, I loved it. Some people I heard had a problem with it, but um, I, it, made it, it made it, you know, it made it more rewarding because it was so challenging. Thank you. All right, let's thank uh, Olivia Munn one more time. No, let's thank Drew for his subpar researching. <laughs> Thanks, Drew. Listen, I do what I can. Go see Mordecai. But an A-plus beard, well, Thank I you. Add. And I've actually seen the movie, so. Oh, let's, hey. Uh, you know. All right. It's really fun. It's out next week. Yes. And go buy your tickets on moviephone.com. Yes, thank you, guys. All right, thank, thank you. you. Thank Bye. you. Bye.